Real quick, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Yes, it it really is pretty easy. And it's free. That's the bonus. That's why I have the app, because it's free. Uh, It also has certain tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I use my iPhone. It's really iPhone friendly. I know a lot of apps aren't really iPhone friendly, but this one actually is. I mean, it's pretty simple to use. Uh, Anchor will also distribute all your podcasts for you. So anywhere that has podcasts and it'll be open, Anchor will send it for you. You don't have to try to submit at different places. One click and boom, it's there. And you can, the most important, I mean, you can make money from it with your podcast. I mean, you just pump it out. And once it starts to get traction, you start making some money. It's pretty cool. And Anchor will do all that for you again. It will show you everything through the app. And it's really everything you need to make a podcast in one place. You don't really need a bunch of different uh, shit to try to get it going. You just download the app, hit record, uh, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I mean, Graveyard Grumbler uses it, so it must be good. All right. Thank you for listening. Is everybody in? Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. I'm your host, Tino Romero Jr., a.k.a. the Graveyard Grumbler. And today's episode is a continuation of the serial killers that I mentioned I I will be doing for the next several episodes. And today's chosen serial killer is Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer, as better known. And for those of you who aren't familiar with who Gary Ridgway is and why they call him the Green River Killer, you will find out if you listen to the episode. (laughs) So who is he? Who is Gary Ridgway? Gary was born February 18th, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, He was then moved and relocated to the Seattle area, though the SeaTac area, which is south of Seattle. And it the area that he moved to was along the Pacific Coast Highway, or PCH. And according to reports, he had a really fucked up childhood, which isn't a surprise. I mean, if you actually look at a bunch of um, studies on serial killers, sociopaths, they have a really, really fucked up childhood, which, of course, go hand in hand. It breeds serial killers and people who do really awful things. It is also reported that he witnessed his parents fighting all the time, which, you know, surprise, surprise, isn't isn't a shock. He, his dad and his mom fought constantly, physical and verbal. They put him down. They just fucked up, just fucked him up mentally. It is also reported that he wet his bed up until the age of 13 and his mom would clean him. Yeah, clean his genitals, his private areas, wiping them down, which over time caused him to want, had an obsession of, a sexual obsession of her, and also started the plotting of wanting to kill his mother, which is kind of weird. I mean, your mom trying to help you out, you want to kill her? That's fucked up, dude. He wasn't the best student at all. He sucked his academics, didn't have the greatest grades. And after high school, went to fucking Vietnam. He was huge, huge into religion, just big fanatical religious nut, which caused him, of course, to hate everything that's unclean prostitutes and all the scum and and infidels, so to speak, which is ironic since he's been married three times and hated 
just fucking hated prostitutes. Which didn't make any sense since he frequented their services. <laughs> how do you how do you do that? Go figure. I don't know. So how did he even start killing people and why did he start killing people? That's that's my main question. That's the whole reason why um, one of the main reasons why I chose this guy, because this guy not only did he kill in the area that we used to live at, but he's a prolific serial killer in the United States. So, well, let's find out why he fucking killed people. It is reported that he developed a hatred for prostitutes, like I mentioned earlier, from listening to his father complain about prostitutes all along Pacific Coast Highway, and his father was a bus driver. And for those of you down any major city, you could, there's prostitutes littered all around certain areas. People know the areas to go get hookers and what areas not to go get hookers in, and it wasn't much different on Pacific Coast Highway in the SeaTac area in the 70s. It wasn't. It wasn't a shock to go find out where to go get him at. He committed his first serious, serious violent act at the age of 16. He lured a six-year-old boy into the woods and stamped the boy in his fucking liver. A six-year-old boy, and he got stabbed in the fucking liver. Just phone checked this poor kid in the fucking woods. Why did he do it? Uh, he later said that he did it because he wanted to see what it felt like to kill somebody. So my question for anybody who dealt with this Gary Ridgeway back when he was 16, why the fuck didn't they lock him up and put him away right then and there? Why did they just let him go? He admitted that he wanted to know what it felt like to stab, to kill somebody. And he fucking phone checked this four, this poor year old, six year old boy in the fucking liver. What the fuck? Come on now. So as the years went on and one, as he grew older and older, he targeted prostitutes simply because he hated them. And like I mentioned earlier, he hated them because he, for one reason, he was a religious fanatic. And number two, his father would bench and complain about how much he hated prostitutes. So, of course, you know, you feed that shit into someone's head long enough and they're going to grow the same hatred as, as you do. And so... He targeted prostitutes simply, like I said, he hated them. He strangled them either with his hands or a wire of some sort. After he would kill them, he would shove rocks into their vaginas so they could sink inside of the Green River. Now, again, I mentioned to you that he is called the Green River Killer because he would dump his bodies, the bodies of his victims, all along the Green River from the SeaTac area all the way up to the city of Issaquah, which that stretch of Green River runs all the way up and down that area. And I I mean, I've seen the Green River driven by it over it. I delivered a lot of shit close to the Green River, so it's not it's not very difficult to reach. But why would you fucking shove fucking rocks inside of a girl's vagina after she was dead? People see what I mean about being a poor student. Fucking dummy thinks that by shoving a couple rocks inside of a girl's vagina is going to help. It's going to have her sink. Doesn't work that way, dude. Does not work that way. So after time, after he's done so many confessions, he admitted that he would go back to the bodies of his victims and have sex with them. Yes, he was a necrophiliac and he would he would fuck the corpse. I mean, what the fuck? Really? So he would go back, get the bodies, and have sex 
with the victim's corpse. Jesus fucking hell. He stated that he chose prostitutes because, and I quote, I knew prostitutes would not be reported missing right away and might never be reported missing. I would also talk to her and get her mind off the sex, anything she was nervous about, and think, hmm, you know what? This guy is this guy actually cares, which I didn't. I just want to uh get her in the vehicle vehicle and eventually kill her. End quote. That was a direct quote from Gary Ridgway on why he chose prostitutes and what he did to convince him. So basically what he would what he's saying that he did was that he would gain their trust, not talk about sex, not talk about pricing. He would make them feel warm and fuzzy like someone actually gave a shit, lure them into the vehicle, and then fucking kill him, kill the prostitutes. God damn it. It is said that he would... He would uh, strangle and rape his victims as they were dying. So when he's choking his uh, victims, he would rape them from behind because it was something that he got off on, something that he felt the urge and need to actually fulfill this empty void inside of him to where that's how he would do his killings. He would kill them and then rape them from behind. Just... God damn. I mean, see, my thing is that if you're into that kind of shit, I'm pretty sure there is a kink group that will allow you to choke them while you're having sex with them. Not kill them, obviously, but there are some pretty hardcore kinks out there that will actually allow you to choke them close to, if not unconscious, while you are, quote unquote, uh, raping them. It's not an actual rape. Let me rephrase that. It's a rape fantasy type deal that there's a huge kink about. And people are really into that stuff. And then you're going to have to go in there and kill people? Come on, man. That's doesn't make any sense. I mean, fucking hell. So how did, I mean, how did he end up getting caught? Now, when I read this, this kind of tripped me out. It made me laugh. Really. <laughs> it, it truly, truly made me chuckle. So... In 1982, after the, after the original discovery of the bodies found in the, in the Green River, Washington police began an investigation that would last nine years and cost $15 million. So let me rephrase that. Or not rephrase that, but let me repeat that. Washington police began an investigation that would last nine years and cost $15 million. So after nine years and $15 million later, they had nothing. No killer, no suspect, no hint of who the fuck it would be. They had zero. Washington police had nothing. Fucking hell. The funny thing during this whole course of the investigation is that Ridgway was arrested in 1982 on, guess what, prostitution charge and became a suspect. The next year, in 1984, he was administered a polygraph test and passed it. <laughs> so not only did they catch him and had him in his grips, they gave him a polygraph and failed it. I'm sorry, and passed it. They later reports later suggest that the way that 
the Washington Police Department, I'm not sure if it's the Washington State Trooper or the CTAC police officers, handled everything. They bumbled and fucked up evidence. They apparently fucked up the way the polygraph was given, and that's why he passed it. So my question was, do you believe that there was someone on the inside who kind of wanted him to be set free and not get caught? I mean, there's the person who gives the polygraph, which is the polygraph um, engineer, I guess you can call him, who would administer the test because it's a machine that you, know, you need to learn how to use. Then it's the cop who is inside with them. So, I mean, how would they fuck that up? You ask him a question. So I don't know how they would fuck up a polygraph. I, I don't know. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me that he they fucked up a polygraph and let the Green River Killer go for free and go out for free. So for nine years, the police kept fucking up the investigation, like I mentioned, which added to the body count of hookers. The body count kept rising and rising and rising. They had no clue who it was. All they knew was that they kept having finding bodies in the fucking Green River and they couldn't figure out who was doing it. Even though they had the motherfucker in in detention, they had him in their fucking jail cell and decided to let him go because he passed the polygraph test. Give me a fucking break. What is going on here? So ironically, serial killer Ted Bundy... <laughs> ironically offered his help in finding the green river killer he told investigators that the killer more likely or most likely knew his victims which uh, from the reports that didn't make any sense because he they were just hookers he would probably return to the dumping site to have sex with the bodies which is true he did go back and have sex with the dead corpse and he also suggested that the killer's dumping site were close to his house which is true he lived in the SeaTac area and the Green River just runs all up and down Washington, or somewhere all up and down uh, the SeaTac area from, damn, it goes far down up all the way up to northern Washington. And like I like I mentioned earlier, he it's not very difficult to get to the Green River. You just cross through some woods and inside the brush, and boom, there's the fucking river. It's a big river, it's a cool river. And the the thing, the ironic thing is that Ted, serial killer Ted Bundy gave these tips which are the most basic fucking tips ever in history i mean why wouldn't officers and detectives automatically think that well it makes washington police really stupid i'm not saying that they are stupid but just during this this report and this whole green river handling it just made them seem really incompetent which is crazy because i know cops aren't dumb i mean they do a lot to find their victims and or find justice for their victims and find the the serial killers and people who are doing just fucked up shit so why why would why would ted bundy offer his his insight which for those of you who are confused on why ted bundy would give uh, any advice ted bundy is a serial killer from washington as well <laughs> it's like washington is a breeding ground for fucking serial killers it's, it's nuts and the only thing I came into conclusion was that Ted Bundy offered his advice for freedom or for some plea deal or some shit like that. So I don't know. It just it just didn't it just didn't add up why he would add he would throw in the most basic fucking terms or suggestions to police officers. You know, 
I bet you the uh, dumping site is close to his residence. <laughs> well, no shit. They're finding him in the fucking Green River. You know what I mean? Well, I'm sure he's going back and uh, fucking him. <laughs> okay, so we can catch him somehow. We'll wait by the Green River, you would think. There's plenty of woods along all up and down the Green River area to where you're able to hide out. But I don't think they did that. So it, I, it's just fucking stupid. It wasn't until about a decade later that aided by DNA technology, police revitalized the investigation and put more than 30 people on the case. So it took them 10 years after the initial investigation in 1982 to reopen the case and start looking for people because there's bodies still fucking showing up. There's still people's families who lost their loved ones were pissed off because nobody come to, came to justice. So yeah, I mean, why not reopen the case? So they put more than 30 people on the case. Uh, semen samples from the first three victims found in the green river were sent to a lab. So they pulled semen out of the first three victims that were found in the green river they matched with DNA samples that had been taken from Gary Ridgway's hair in 1987. Surprise, surprise. How did anyone put two and two together then make four to find this shit out? It took them that long to the basic shit, you know, semen samples, hair. Huh. I wonder if it matches. Come fuck on. On November 30th, 2001, Ridgway was arrested after leaving work, which he worked at a truck factory in Renton. And for those of you who live in Washington, yeah, the Kenworth truck factory in Renton. Yeah, that's where he worked. He worked painting fucking big rigs and he was arre he was arrested in 2001. So he started killing in the late 70s, ran all the way through into the 90s and then wasn't arrested until 2001. What the actual fuck? How can someone that long who wasn't really hiding stay out of detention and capture for that fucking long? I mean, how how many times and how badly did the entire investigation get fucked up over and over and over to where Gary Ridgway was able to get away with it for so fucking long? I It blows my mind that simple task. Again, I'm not a cop. I'm not a detective. But from what I read on this case was that they they fucked up the most basic things they fucked up the dna samples they fucked up the polygraph they couldn't link the killer gary ridgeway to the missing of hookers even though he was arrested on picking up prostitution prostitutes how how can simple things in my mind simple again i'm not a cop and i'm not a detective and i'm not putting down anyone's uh, ability to be a cop or any detectives. I'm not dogging the police department. I'm not dogging anybody. All I'm simply asking is how did they fuck up so many times and for so long to where this guy was out working, chilling for several years and then ended up getting picked up in 2001. That wasn't that long ago in 2001. He was finally fucking arrested. I just, just doesn't, make any sense to me that's why i asked the question do you guys think that there was somebody on the inside who helped him kind of 
get away with this shit? Did somebody on the inside fuck up all of these things intentionally to have this guy go free? You know, here comes the conspiracy theorist in me, which it's a very small portion of conspiracy theorists, but every now and again, it does surface to wonder how somebody was supposed to get, get away with this shit so many times. And for so long, I just blow, it, it just blows my mind that dude was arrested in 2001 after all those decades of murdering prostitutes. So he was arrested. He was convicted. He was he was arrested and convicted for forty nine women that that prostitutes that were found. They they linked forty nine murders to him. So because of that, he accepted a plea deal for forty eight life sentences. So instead of getting the death penalty, he copped a plea, and he was sentenced to forty eight life sentences who the fuck was okay with him getting away from the death penalty after murdering 48 people now 48 people isn't his total body count 48 people is just the number that they pinned on him they he later confessed to okay so are you are you ready for this number are you ready for this number yes Yes, everybody in the back, please sit down. You in the back. Let me. I'm going to reveal the number. He, he later confessed to killing 71 women. That was the total number of victims that he's had in his career of being a serial killer. So from day one until 2001, they only pinned 48 murders on him but then he later confessed and admitted confessed and admitted that he killed 71 women now for those of you who aren't familiar with serial killers a lot of the serial killers if not uh every single one they act they keep track of their of their body count it's not a surprise and for anyone that doesn't confess to the actual number of victims that they've had it's not because they don't remember it's because they choose not to it is it's been several studies showing that a serial killer is obsessed with the fact of killing so every killing is intimate or special to that individual so they keep track of each and every one of the of the people that they murdered so gary ridgeway admitted to killing 75 women so he coptably copped a plea deal to avoid the death penalty in admitting to killing 48 women. So they gave him 48 life sentences. What's that? What's what, what is the actual point of that shit? Why not just kill him? Why leave somebody in a fucking prison cell for 48 consecutive life sentences? That is the dumbest shit our justice system can do. I don't, I don't fucking get it. And I understand there's the whole abolished death penalty, but this is back in, Early 2000, this was when things weren't, I guess, as, I wouldn't say politically correct, but where people weren't too much harping on the death penalty. So 48 murders, don't you think 48 murders is equal enough just to kill the fucking guy and get it over with? Why leave him in the in the prison cell? It doesn't make any sense to me. And that's, again, that's why I'm wondering was there someone on the inside to help him and why would the judge and jury 
agree to him taking a plea deal. There should be no plea deal. This guy has, shouldn't have any fucking rights on copying a plea deal. He murdered 75 women, excuse me, 71 women and was convicted for killing 48 women. Now, it wasn't just a mistake or, you know, accidental killing. No, he strangled and raped and murdered these women, dumped them in the fucking river, went back to have sex with their corpse, and then redump them in the fucking river. So why, why not just kill him? Another crazy thing that I read was that he went back to uh, uh, have sex with his with his with the dead with his victims. That he eventually had to bury them, just so he wouldn't keep having sex with the victims with the corpse and risk getting caught. So he would dig them, dig a hole, throw dump their bodies along the Green River, just because it was too much work to redig them out and have sex with them again. He did all that just so he wouldn't go back multiple times and risk being caught. So if you're having bodies showing up alongside the Green River, wouldn't you have a task force or some sort of investigative crew chilling on the Green River watching for any suspicious activity? Again, that's why it's crazy to me that he he, he passed the polygraph test, but then it was later shown that it was a fuck up and whoever administered it did it wrong and gave him, allowed him to go free, which on that point, wouldn't it be a mechanical error and then rearrest him and then resubmit and have him take the polygraph again. I don't know the exact rules, but wouldn't that be a thing? They also couldn't match his DNA for whatever it is. It might've been poor technology or failure to attain it in the proper time or whatever it is. So they fucked that up. And then it wasn't until way longer down the road that he ended up getting caught. So it took, it took how many decades for him to actually get caught? He was arrested, finally arrested in 2001. It's mind, it's mind blowing that so many things went wrong during the capture and, and try and charging this guy for all these murders, even up to him playing the plea deal for 48 life fucking sentences. Come on. Why wouldn't they just end it and just fucking send him to murder to a death row? Fuck it. I mean, he killed 48 people and then later confessed to killing 71 women, which even though he confessed it, there was nothing else that they can do to him. They couldn't give him more life sentences. He were he was already con- uh, sentenced to 48 consecutive life sentences, of course, with no chance of parole. Ooh, no chance of parole. Big fucking deal. I, I At that point, I would think that it would just be better just to put the motherfucker on death row and kill him. It doesn't make any sense to keep him alive for that long. I don't get, he was a, one of the most prolific serial killers in American history. That That's how many bodies he has. He had more bodies than Ed Gain. He had more bodies than Ted Bundy. He had more bodies than a lot of the big name serial killers, but yet he's able to stay alive and live out his life in peace and, and solitary confinement in fucking prison. He killed 71 women and admitted to it, put his ass on death row. He should have had a, a one way VIP ticket to the fucking row, not be left chilling in, in solitary confinement and enjoying his fucking life. Get the fuck out of here. What they should do is they should strangle him, rape him and drown him in the fucking river. Fuck killing him. Just do, just do him dirty like that. 
strangle him and then or tra- strangle him as he's being drowned in the fucking river. Nobody like that deserves to be alive. Nobody deserves that. When someone can kill 48 uh, or excuse me, when somebody can kill 71 people and not feel any remorse or any guilt. And if you got there's there's an interview where he's confessing and he shows no remorse. He shows no no emotion. He shows no no sympathy, no empathy, nothing. He doesn't show any of it while he's talking through this entire confession portion. So anyone who, even if you do show compassion, you killed multiple people. What the fuck does it matter? It wasn't a crime of passion. It wasn't a crime of being under the influence. This guy was 100% sober and murdering women left and right because he hated them. What the fuck is wrong with you, man? It... He, it's one of those deals that I don't understand why he wouldn't be sent to death row immediately because he copped a plea and was able to get 48 life sentences. Give me the fuck. Jesus. It's shit like that for our justice system doesn't make any sense to me. I, I have a hard time understanding how and why shit like this is able to happen and continue happening in our justice system. But I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I just know that what I read and what I feel is morally correct don't always match up. I mean, like I said, a lot of people won't agree that he should be sent to death row. But me personally, he should have been one of the first guys in that year to be sent to death row. Do not, you know, no, no stop sign. Just fucking pass go and don't collect $200 and get fucking killed via death penalty, whether it be electric chair or gassing. One of those would have to be done. I mean, Jesus, 71 fucking women. And all he got was 48 life sentences. Yeah. 48 life sentences is a long time. I do understand that, but he's still alive. While 71 women, 71 families were destroyed and torn because of this fucking killer, this predator. That's what he is. He's a predator. He preys on on women who didn't have the best of life and needed to make ends meet, whether it be for their habit, for their actual bills or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. These ladies were out there prostituting and, and doing what they thought was right, and they get fucking killed from a, by a predator. Sounds like a little bitch to me, but hey, that's just me. Well, on that note, that is going to wrap up today's episode on Gary Ridgway, a.k.a. the Green River Killer. And again, 71 women killed and all he got was 48 life sentences. Crazy to me. Tune in for tomorrow's episode, Graveyard Grumbler Spooky Tales. I have a few more stories that I'm going to read off tomorrow that hopefully everybody enjoys. If you have any suggestions on an episode you would like to hear on my podcast, feel free to send in your submissions to graveyardgrumbler at mail.com. Not Gmail, but at mail.com, graveyardgrumbler at mail.com, or drop me a DM or a comment on my Instagram, Graveyard Grumbler Podcast. And I look forward to next week's episode, which will be another serial killer episode. I appreciate everyone's time. Good morning, good day, good night, and goodbye. Graveyard Grumbler Podcast.